but the two go together and they they effectively become a, a case for stagflation, which is the, probably the principal theme of my uh, presentation this morning, looking forward. Look, it was actually a great presentation, and I'll include notes uh, to mm. show people some of the charts that you shared. Because uh, I did say I was only going to ask you three questions before I got That's you to okay, jump yeah. on. I realised it might turn into four, uh, because one of the present, um, one of the charts you brought up during your presentation. And welcome back to the Exponential Investor Podcast. I am your solo host today, Shay Russell, as your other host, Sam Volkering, is currently on annual leave. So you are just stuck with me for the moment. Sam will be back next week, though. All right. So I thought we'd do something a little bit different this week. So uh, this week, because I'm based in Australia, I was invited to attend the RIU Resources Roundup in Sydney this week. I know this is a conference that's held twice a year in Australia. It's held once on the East Coast and then once on the West Coast at different days. Um, and basically, it's where a whole bunch of tiny Australian explorers with what they think are great projects get together uh, and basically, uh, you know, pitch their wares uh, to a largely captive audience. Now, the RIU conference is a little bit different to other conferences that are held in Australia is this is very much an industry event. So the type of people that attend are stockbrokers, uh, high net worth individuals, uh, private in the private equity companies, um, and sort of basically investors seeking to not buy a few thousand pounds worth of shares, but generally they're after invest a few million. And really what they're trying to do, the type of investor that goes to this particular conference is about looking to progress a company to the next level. Now, the reason why I like to attend the RIU is simply because it's a great way to keep my pulse on the finger, uh, put my pulse on the finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry. It's been a couple of late nights here. Um, so what is my key takeaway from the RIU? Well, first and foremost, there wasn't as much love for lithium this year, which I found interesting. Look, don't get me wrong. There were a couple of people there with some exciting lithium projects, but there just weren't as many as that have been there in years past. Uh, however, I got really excited, as it's probably no surprise to you, about a couple of, couple of copper plays. Uh, it's good to see Australia getting some copper plays out there, uh, and copper is definitely a very important metal. A couple of other metals that got some love that I haven't seen getting some love before is tin. There was quite a bit of interest in tin, and we'll delve into why tin's interesting another time, um, as well as lead and zinc. Now, lead and zinc are generally boring base metals, but they're, in, they're very critical metals in general infrastructure, so we do need to get a good supply of those up and running. Now, this time around, I didn't pick up any whispers or deals that were happening. Maybe they were happening behind closed doors. However, I was fortunate enough to convince uh, the global head of institutional markets of EVC Refinery to actually be a guest on today's podcast. Now, uh, Nick Frappel is probably one of the foremost authorities on gold in Australia at the moment. So basically, uh, Nick has a bullion bank trading background and he's worked for um, at, on, on the inside of the precious metals industry for the better part of about 25 years. So when I say there's almost nobody who doesn't know there is nobody who doesn't know the gold market like Nick, and he's also got a great understanding of PGMs as well. So basically, I asked Nick to join me today to be my guest. Now, I'll let you know that I had started to film the video with Nick and I, so he could actually put a face to the name, but it turns out my camera didn't have enough storage on it when I started to film, and the video lasted only two minutes. Didn't get the chance to stop because we were recording audio, and it was too late. The show must go on. So unfortunately, I don't have a visual to give you of Nick today, but what I do have is I've got some great charts 
from the presentation he gave at RIU and he has agreed to share them with me today. Now, Nick does provide a lot of high-level analysis, but for you charting nerds and anybody who loves a, a, a regression and standard deviations and a good old Fibonacci retracement, you are really going to enjoy what Nick has to say. So without further ado, I'm going to get the very amazing production people we have to somehow splice my audio interview with Nick and overlay those slides so you can see some of the things that Nick and I were talking about while we're at the RIU. Uh, In the meantime, I just want to say thanks for listening and I'll see you next week and Sam will be back as well. And welcome. I'm Shay Russell from Exponential Investor Podcast and uh, Sam Volkering is not joining me today. Instead, I have an incredibly special guest. Now, in front of me today is Nick Frappel from ABC Refinery, where you are the global head of institutional markets, I believe. That's correct. Yes, I am. Now, first of all, just to give everybody an idea listening, we are coming to you live from a conference in uh, Sydney, Australia called the RIU Resources Roundup. We are sitting in the ABC Refinery refinery booth and I am here as a guest of ABC Refinery. So Nick, thanks for having me along and thanks for coming on to the Exponential Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's uh, great to join you. Yes. Now, uh, for everybody listening into the UK, Nick does have some tethers to the UK, but he firmly considers himself an Australian now. Now, you've been here a long, long time, Nick. So let's get started in today's podcast. Now, first of all, you were a keynote speaker in this resources conference this morning. You actually got to open the show. And I have to say, your presentation was quite remarkable. And people have been asking you questions about it all day. So which is why Nick is joining us here on the show. First things first, let's talk about crude. Now, I know you and I have touched on the top, uh, topic of crude in the p- other podcasts that we do each week. But let's look at, talk about crude because you've got some alarming price forecasts that are out there and I don't think I've seen many people in the marketplace predict this in crude. So what is your thesis on crude and why do you think it is going to go to such uh, potentially extraordinary levels? Thanks, Shay. Well, I think I borrow from uh, two sources. Um, I'll cover my source first because obviously I'm not trading crude, so I have to look at it from an informational and also technical analysis uh, perspective. Um, informationally, I, re- I believe that crude will be significantly bullish because the um, output that's lost or forgone through Russia um, cannot easily be replaced from other sources, Saudi ramping up. Uh, Iran being sort of readmitted, Venezuela and so on. So um, I I believe there'll be substantial tightness in the crude market. That's sort of fundamental driver. And that at the moment is the source of like a a big argument in the crude price after the recent high um, for reasons I'll go into. The second reason, very quickly on technical analysis point of view, is that the um, long-term point and figure I use has targets up to 158. Uh, fairly recent one, um, that's post the recent uh, target, had a target to about 147 or 150, I believe, pre the, I think, 130-odd dollar high. It's now also got longer-term targets back up to uh, 202 and 207. Now, just put that into context, um, the other reason why I sort of subscribe to that fairly bullish view is because um, I'm a great believer in what uh, some of the uh, industry professionals like Pierre Andoran Capital and what uh, he believes, and I believe that's kind of consistent with his view, um, but it's just kind of interesting to see it uh, kind of reflected also in technical a technical uh, viewpoint. Um, the recent argument, though, is 
been made more complicated by the zero COVID strategy in uh, China, which is the world's biggest crude importer. And so we've seen crude come over back to sub 100 levels, but it seems to have consolidated and accumulated there. And that's generated some, uh, you know, like I said, targets back to 158. Last thing I'd say about crude is that 200 sounds like a really, um, it's, a, it's a scary number. Anything with a, a two handle is pretty horrible looking, but it is actually in inflation adjusted concern, uh, 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 terms. It is pretty much where we were at the, G, high the, the crude's high at the GFC. So that's the context you've got to put it in. It's actually going back to a former high when you take account of inflation. Um, all right, so we're going to touch on the high energy prices here in my next question. And this is something that came out of your presentation this morning that I noticed really resonated with the crowd. And I believe two people afterwards actually approached you uh, because they hadn't looked at the problem this way. Now, this is uh, obviously the, the, the Russian invasion that's taking place right now, but also to the impact this is having on high energy prices, in particular nat gas, and leading to the implications for fertilizer and farming. Now, can you please elaborate on not only this, but also how how this leans into your stagflation thesis. Yeah, the um, high net, ga net, net gas prices, that's a major feed for fertilizer and a whole bunch of other things as well. Um, so you know, from that point of view, I see risks in terms of um, the softs and the agricultural sector where you've got issues with providing fertilizer. Um, and th so th th this is a, sort of a, a multi-factor problem where you've got issues with getting fertilizer, um, getting it logistically to the, the, the fields, and then getting harvest from the fields to points of shipment. And particularly, in that's a, that's a problem in uh, Ukraine, particularly from a logistics point of view. It's also a problem in China uh, where there's... Um, a lot of ports are kind of backed up as a consequence of zero COVID. So there's a whole lot of uh, kind of, I guess, second order and third order effects that are inflationary because of um, further damage to supply chains, but also these higher prices will damage demand. Um, and there's zero COVID itself is a demand damaging um, prospect. So the two go together and they they effectively become a, a case for stagflation, which is the, probably the principal theme of my uh, presentation this morning, looking forward. Look, it was actually a great presentation, and I'll include notes uh, to mm. show people some of the charts that you shared, because uh, I did say I was only going to ask you three questions before I got That's you to okay, jump yeah. on. I realise it might turn into four, uh, because one of, the present, um, one of the charts you brought up during mm. your presentation, and I'm deviating a little bit, uh, was some fantastic regression charts of where gold is sitting in comparison to Brent, uh, the US dollar, and I can't remember what the third real, one. Real, real, and real, yields. Well, real yields via the 10-year So before we, before we move to the gold price, can I actually get you to elaborate on this one and as I said I will provide an image to this in uh, the email hmm. so people can have the visual representation of what's going on. Yeah absolutely so last week when I was preparing a lot of the sort of final details for the presentation uh, as you said one of the slides has got um, three regressions on it for those very things and really the, the most important one is the real yields because that's as a single variable it's a really profound explain, explainer for what's, uh, what's going on in the gold price um, which well, I'll refer to when we do talk about the gold price. Um, the dollar is a, a, a is a key variable, though not such a great explainer from a regression point of view. Um, for statistical nerds out there, um, the real yield uh, versus gold has an has an R squared of 0.83 or 84. It's a really good single issue, single variable explainer. Um, dollar is like something like 
can linger around 0.2 for various reasons. Um, now, uh, the reason why I put those slides in is because if, if you looked at where if you looked at where gold was compared to the sort of the core of that regression where the, the linear kind of regression line runs through, gold was way higher in every single case. Slightly less so for crude, but for the dollar and for uh, the, the real yields, gold looked like a, an outlier and an outlier on the high side. So the implication was gold overvalued relative to current conditions should move lower. And gratifying or otherwise, that's what's happened. So since I put those charts together and I put the little crosshairs, which you'll, you'll show, um, showing where gold is on those charts relative to the regression line, it, we've come off we've come off around about mm, uh, $70 or $80, I think, at least. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly which day I made those charts. But roughly there. So that's, so that's the importance of those charts. Um, and that kind of feeds on to why gold is behaving the way it is. So, well, it's almost like you knew what my last question was going to be. Let's talk about the pressure is facing gold right now. Now, uh, that gold gold operates under a lot of myths, and I know you and I both have a little bit of a passion project. It's, it's almost a quest even to try and destroy some of these myths, <laughs> some of the myths around gold. Now, when we've got inflation quite high in the US, we've got inflation quite high in the UK, and Australia's starting to see some um, increasing numbers as well. Uh throwing some geopolitical tension and people automatically expect the gold price to be reactive and soar higher. So I would like you to break it down because you are probably one of the foremost authorities on gold in the world right now. <laughs> As at the moment of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, why isn't gold rallying against all these pressures? Well, Actually, and it's a really good point about the geopolitics because, you know, you've even had recent times where the Russians have um, floated the idea of, of tactical nuclear weapons and so on and really upped the ante massively in terms of uh, kind of like unthinkable statements. Uh, statements that would have been unthinkable a year ago, for example, even a few months ago, uh, when everyone in Russia assured us that they weren't going to invade the Ukraine, for example. Um, so why isn't it doing that well, given the given the given all of these factors? It's because we're missing out on those aforementioned factors, the real yields and the dollar. The dollar has been on a tremendous push higher. It's right up against and probably straddling a multi-year um, trend line resistance around about only 103. I'm looking at the DXY here. And like we were talking about earlier, look at the DXY because people don't necessarily trade the DXY in volume, but it is a broad-based index for looking at the strength of the dollar. So in that sense, it's highly useful. So the dollar has been strong. And that's really important in terms of um, providing, a, providing a, head, a headwind to gold. But even more important is the real yields. And if you look at real yields since Q1 of last year, real yields have just absolutely been on a tear. And in fact, for the first time in quite a long time, real yields have just popped over into the positive. That's coming from minus one and a quarter percent low. That has been the headwind, the key headwind, I would say, that gold has had to fight against over the last three months. So if you abstract the geopolitical tensions, which did no doubt help take gold to the recent double top level of 2071 in spot US dollars, if you abstract that issue, what you're looking at is really all about real yields and how that is deterring um, gold or it's, 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 it's placing a kind of a, a big negative in front of gold uh, as a, in terms of price appreciation. 
Uh, all right, Nick, I believe our time is drawing to a close. Now, first of all, uh, I know you and I get to chat quite weekly on our podcast over at the Pot of Gold for ABC Refinery, but I want to give an extra special thank you for you today joining me here on Exponential Investor for our podcast and replacing Sam. Actually, it's a real privilege. And I thank you very much for inviting me along. Thank you. All right. Uh, that's all we've got time for today. Sam Volkering and I will be back next week when Sam gets back from holiday holidays. And to quote Sam, thanks for watching and bye for now.